At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the April 24th edition of our long-term goal, of course, is financial independence. Everybody's long-term goal, I think, is that. Well, everybody who uh, doesn't inherit a lot of money, at least us working people do. And as we keep telling you, it can be done. It really can. You can achieve financial independence. It is not that hard. It just takes discipline. It takes time. And you need a plan. You've got, you've got to have a plan. It just doesn't happen. You know, oh, I hope I get rich. That, that doesn't work, people. That doesn't work. Anyways, so let's work on that together. It's, it is very achievable for almost everybody. And since we've chosen to hitch our fortune to the stock market, today's kind of volatility can get your attention, can it? Sure can. But again, this is the kind of volatility that is more normal, maybe not four or 500 points, but as the Dow industry, Dow index go, gets higher and higher, higher, four and 500 points in a day is not going to be that unusual. It is a bit unusual now, but we should expect two, 300 point days uh, from the Dow. So it also going to be an opportunity, these big swings. So you got to kind of pay attention. Big down day today, but had nothing to do with economics or did it? Did it have anything to do with politics? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm going to tell you what I think happened today and why, just all of a sudden today, it had a big down day. But first, let's get to work answering questions from our anytime line, 888-99-CHART. That's the number. Here's a call that came in before today's program. Hey, this is Matt from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I'm just wondering what you guys' thoughts are on life insurance, whole life insurance as an investment. You know, I've been hearing that you can use it as an investment as opposed to just the insurance side. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on whether that's a good idea or not. Thanks. Bye. I do not think that's a good idea. 
using insurance, life insurance as an investment. There's whole life, universal life. I don't think they're very good investments because there's high fees associated with them. There's things you get locked into. You are relying on the strength uh, and sustainability of the insurance company because there is no, you know, SIPIC uh, or uh, FDIC insurance. Uh, there's a variety of reasons I don't like. Now, if you need insurance, I have no problem with that. But you get term life. It's much cheaper. If you take term life premium, which is much, much less than universal life and whole life, and then take the difference of what you would pay for those whole life universal and invest that money in the index and leave it there for 20, 30 years, you'll be a lot better off than if you bought the whole life, universal life, and used their investments. That's it. I've, I've done this many times. It just works out. <laughs> Most, it's just not a good idea, in my opinion. Now, you're going to talk to an insurance guy. He'll love it. But, yeah, he makes a living by that. Okay. The 10-year treasury yield touched 3% for the first time in four years. Kind of a wake-up call to investors. And I think that's the reason why the market took a heavy dive, even though, you know, it took them a little while to think about it and say, wait a minute. So what's the dynamic here? Are, are, are you clear on the connection between interest rates and stock prices? Are you, do you understand how that's related? And remember, we're only talking about 3%. It's not even that high yet. What's the average since 1990 or so? What's the average interest rate for the 10-year Treasury? Do you know what that number is? Would you like me to tell you? It's 4.86%. 4.86%. So when interest rates hover near historic lows for a long, long time, as they have, it becomes easy to forget what normal really is. Rates will generally begin to rise as the economy rebounds. And when this happens, both short and long-term fixed income investors who are caught unprepared miss, may miss out on the easy opportunity to increase their monthly incomes. So how can you prepare for rising interest rates? Of course, a common strategy, you know, that, you know, advisors give, like me, to clients is using a bond ladder. That does help greatly. So how does a bond ladder work? A bond ladder is a series of bonds that mature at regular intervals, such as one, three months, six months, nine months, a year, two years, three years, four years. And as they mature, you keep taking their, as they mature short term, you keep putting them out long term. Those, those periods of time are the rungs of the ladder. That's why it's called a ladder. And when the interest rates are really low and are rising, you want to go stretch the ladder a little longer, a little longer, a little longer to get higher and higher returns. Okay? And just the opposite happens when the interest rates are falling. Anyways, that's, that's what you can do. That's other things you're going to do. We can talk about those. You want to know more about this kind of stuff? Go to Investopedia. They have all kinds of information about bonds and bond ladders. We're going to talk more about how to protect your portfolio from rising interest rates in a few minutes. Speaking of laddering, do you have questions about that technique? That's a topic we can discuss if you want. Some of the other topics I have on, on tap here is the housing numbers. I want to talk about them. Some really good numbers came out last day or two, and even last week. I want to talk about oil supplies. I want to talk about the 10-year yield, that 3% we've been discussing already. I want to talk about that in a little bit more detail. And um, 
those are the things I'm going to talk about. But, of course, what's on your mind always comes first. I want to also talk, we're going to talk about bonds. You know, bonds, no one ever wants to talk about them or discuss them or research them when stocks are doing so well. Well, now that you have stocks not doing so well so far this year, now people are more interested. But should they be more interested? You know, have you seen the earnings coming in on the on the corporations so far this earnings? Very impressive. So the market today was down 425 points on the Dow, 121 on the Nasdaq, and 36 on the S&P. So what, what, one and a half to one and three quarters percent down. A one to two percent daily move is not historically that uncommon. Isn't, isn't that interesting? Everybody thinks it's huge numbers. Well, not really. I mean, there are probably, in the last, what, 10, 15 years or so, they, they are large. But not not percentage wise, because I mean last year I think we had th three tenths of one percent moves up or down. I think that was the range, and now we're having one to two percent moves as the range. See, dramatic dramatically different last year, and it feels very odd. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. I wanted to tell you about my schedule for individual portfolio reviews for the upcoming couple of months. Space at the May date is no longer available, but I have a new date in June, June 6th in San Jose. If you're interested, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab, then Portfolio Review. And I look forward to meeting you. 888-99 Charters, how you get through right now with your questions on Invest Talk. Listening to Invest Talk, good asset allocation can lessen risk because when stocks rise, for example, bonds often fall. At a time when the stock market begins to fall, real estate may begin generating above average returns. Do you have questions about the ups and downs of investing? Call in 888-99 chart and ask about it on Invest Talk. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Art in Menlo Park, my favorite guy in Menlo Park. How you doing, Art? Oh, I'm sorry, Art. James was before you. James in New York. How you doing, James? I'm well. How are you? Good. Thank you for waiting. Uh, yeah, no, no trouble. I wanted to ask about uh, whether you thought there was any merit in picking up uh, General Mills uh, at the price where it's at now, uh, do you feel it is cheap enough for a long-term prospect? And also, I know that you always advise never to hold more than 3 to 5% of any given stock in your portfolio at one time. Do you feel that that's the yes. maximum? Do you feel that there is ever a minimum, or is it ever a waste of time, whether it's to pick up a very small position in something? Is there a minimum uh, rule that you would say? Okay, those are good questions. Uh, General Mills, GIS is a symbol, uh, manufactured cereals, specialty foods, yogurt, dough mixes, snacks. It's a uh, $26 billion company, pays a 4.4% dividend, is trading currently at about uh, 15 PE, and that's going to be 14 PE by next year if it doesn't move because earnings will go up slightly. Sales are going up slightly, 2% or so. 
and the, uh, the P.E. range is 14 to 25, and return on equity is a huge 40%, huge cash flow. So, yeah, this is the price that looks attractive to me, James. Uh, so I'm going to say yes. This is the, this is where you can think about it. And in answer to your next question, your, your, your follow-up question about, yeah, I like 3%. I like owning about 3% of any one stock, but you can go up to 5 and I will, if the portfolio is a decent-sized portfolio, in other words, let's say a couple hundred thousand, you can start off with one and a half and then increase it to another one and a half to get up to that 3%, and then again, another 2% if you want to go up five. But you have, the reason why you have to have a bigger portfolio is because you can't be buying you know, five shares or something, another, another five shares, because then you you're get eaten up by transaction costs. You know the cost to buy trade the stock, so it's usually a, a decent sized portfolio. Yeah, you can do it that way, and there would be nothing wrong with doing that with GIS General Mills buying one and a half or two percent, then doubling up on it when uh, it finally breaks up. Because right now it's just it's trading sideways at a low for the for the last twelve months. You know, which is between what forty three and a half to forty five or so. And right now it's at 44, 37. So it's, it looks like to me it's finding a base and trying to work through that base. And I kind of I kind of like it at this price. Thanks for the call, James. All Appreciate right. it. GIS, General General Mills. And now we go to Art Mendel Park. How are you doing, Art? Good, Steve. How are you? Good. Thank you for calling. Sure. Um, I just had a question on um, a friend of mine uh, just got a... Uh, a stock certificate out of a trust and mm -hmm. um, they don't have a, a regular uh, brokerage account. Can you just uh, yeah. call like the, uh, the company to uh, cash the uh, certificate in? Because I wasn't sure. Yeah. Well, you, you, the company will not cash it. Most companies will not. I can't say all. What you have to do, it's a pain in the butt, but you have to do it. You have to go to a full service brokerage firm. He has to open an account. He has to deposit the certificate with the brokerage firm. They have to sell it and put the money in the account. Then he can take the money and move it wherever he wants to do. Oh, so they will have to open an account. That, I don't know of any other way to do it. I do not believe the company will do that for you, taking you know, just taking the certificate and giving you the value. I don't. It won't do that. Certificates oh, okay. are rare these days. You know, they're so rare these days that they got to be very careful about uh, fraud. So that they're going to have to investigate that certificate to make sure it's good. Oh, okay. 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 Thanks a lot. That's Steve. what you got to do, it, Art. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Now, um, you know, I, I we talked about ultra short bond funds for maybe. Cash and uh, I, you know, I recommended ETFs and uh, I have a short list of them on my. You know, if you want to see them, if you, you can send me an email, I'll send them to you. But there's also other, there are the CD rates are getting better, so you can shop around. You can get work, and the ultra short bond rates are only getting between 1.4 and 1.8 percent, something like that. And if you're looking for more, you can get more from CDs, but then again, you have to leave them there for a while. So there's other venues. Just I just want to make sure I brought that up. Okay, there are other venues. 
Here's a term that you may not may not know. What's irrevocable trust? We're going to talk about that after the break here. Irrevocable trust. Do you know what the difference between a revocable trust and irrevocable trust really means? Do you know the difference? We'll get to that after the break. This is Best Talk, everybody. I welcome your calls. Invest Talk continues on a service of KPP Financial, serving the average investor for more than 25 years with innovative investing programs, programs they have a personal stake in, independent thinking, shared success with parallel investing. Now, it's time to bring your money question to the table. 888-99-CHART is our anytime number. Okay, 888-99 church. So how do you protect your 401k from rising interest rates? How do you do that? You know, rising interest rates hurt bond prices, make bond values go down. But long-term investors want to ride out the blips of the stock market, the, the dips or the, the corrections or even the bear markets. And you can do that with bonds. So what do you, how, do you, how do you do that? I mean, this is not just as, well, I'll just buy bonds and sell my stocks or vice versa. Uh, that, that, it's not a good way just to not know what you're doing. If you're going to buy bonds, try to remember why you're buying bonds. You're buying bonds for, number one, safety away from the stock market. And I don't want to say bonds are safe. They're not necessarily safe, no. But they're safer than the stock market. But you buy bonds because they pay you that yield. And as I said, 10-year treasuries went up, the yield went up to 3%. But you can get high yields. We're getting now, oh, on average, 4.5 plus on high-quality bonds. So realize that's why you bought them. Bought them for that 4.5 plus or whatever. And remember, rising rates are not all that bad because if you do it right, you keep catching more, more of that higher rate in your bonds, like we talked about laddering. There's, you can ladder even bond ETFs, bond funds. You can buy short-term, long-term, medium-term. You can buy some that already have a ladder built inside them. There's all kinds of ways to do it. So just remember, you bought the bonds for the yield, not for appreciation or depreciation. And try to remember that if you're not going to buy anything or you want to even stay away from bonds because you think they're risky, think of the risks of cash. Cash has risk. If inflation is going to turn turn up a little bit, inflation eats into your cash. In other words, your buying power goes down. What do I mean by that? Well, um, think about a movie ticket 10 years ago. Think about a movie ticket today. 10 years ago, what were there? Eight, nine dollars, maybe 10. Now what are they? 11, 14, 17. You know, that's buying power. You know, if you're ca- you had cash 10 years ago, that cash bought more movie tickets than the cash today at today's price, right? And today they're buying, you have to buy much less movie tickets. That's buying power. The value of your money goes down. And make sure you understand what your bond holdings are. Are they junk bonds? Are they triple B plus or higher? That's investment grade bonds. What kind of bonds are they? What's their maturity? How long did they take to mature? 
And finally, make sure your fees are not out of line. Okay. Trying to back up, trying to back, to, trying to go back to the phone call. Let's try to answer this question from our 24-hour listening line. Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm a long-time listener. Love the show. Learn lots from you guys. Thank you for all your information. I have a quick question for you, please. I've um, done a little homework and found a fund, CHCLX. It's a discovery growth fund. I know you're not usually in favor of growth stocks and so forth. This one seems to also be paying a great dividend, and it's a slow grower, so I don't know if that means it has value in it or not. Please uh, give me your opinions and thoughts on it, and let me know if this is anything I should be putting money into for a long-term hold or if it's not really worth my time. Thank you very much for your insight. Have a good day. Okay, the quick answer is no, don't buy it. It is a four-star fund, four out of five stars, so it's a very highly rated fund by Morningstar. But the reason why I'm telling you not to buy it, it has a load of 4.25%, meaning a commission. You're going to pay somebody 4.2%. So if you bought $100,000 with this fund, $4,250 is gone immediately. So now you're working with $93,750. So... I don't like that. I don't don't we don't buy loaded funds. This is called a AB Discovery Growth A fund. That A as an apple tells you is an upfront load and it's four point two five percent. Now the holdings is great. They take high risk, but they have high return. That's why it's a four star it's a mid sized company. Uh, it's a very good, very well run company. I just don't like that I don't like the uh, commission. You can buy other very good funds, growth funds, without the commission. They're like 97% in U.S. stocks. Um, top holdings are most companies you would not not know. Splunk Inc., Teladoc Inc., SVB Financial Group, Grubhub, you may have heard that one, Grand Canyon Education Inc., those are the top holdings. So do you know who they are? So uh, it's a very good fund. But I wouldn't pay the load. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? 
Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. So what's coming up on next Invest Talk, everybody? What a rise in industrial production means to your portfolio. That will be on the be the topic of our Invest Talk on Wednesday. We're here to answer your questions on any money topic you want to talk about. Call me, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We continue with Invest Talk. First, a couple of words for KPP Financial. True or false? Have you less tolerance for risk than you used to? Well, most investors have more doubts about the reliability of advice, the stability of the companies they're investing in. It's the current climate. But at the same time, you still believe that the stock market offers the most promise for your retirement. So you manage it yourself. Investors are shorter on trust but they're still investors. So KPP Financial has a question for you. If you could form a partnership with a financial advisor rather than the typical client relationship, would that make more sense to you? Well, the principals at KPP Financial invest their own money right along with yours. That makes you more of a partner than a client. When they make buy and sell decisions for you, they're impacting their retirement too. KPP Financial. Independent thinking Shared success. And now let's get back to the podcast. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today. April is Financial Literacy Month, so read a book. Here's one that's a sampling of three of Warren Buffett's favorite books. See more about it and others. Click on the Invest Talk tab and then Books on investtalk.com. You're listening to Invest Talk and the number to reach us right now 888-99 chart. So we had a fairly large move down intraday. It was down over 500 points the Dow was today. And as I'm looking at the headlines or reading the news of the day, the financial news, there's absolutely no reason for this move. 
Remember, yesterday was kind of flat. So what, though, was in the news, what was in the news is there were several articles all about the 3% yield on the 10-year. 10-year Treasury went up to, uh, the yield on the 10-year Treasury went up to 3%, and it hasn't done that in a number of years, four or five years. And it seemed to be either either that was the cause of the big down move today or big down move needed a cause and this is what they found. Because I never ever believe what the headlines tell me as to why the stock market did what it did. Because sometimes it does what it does for no reason. The economic news was very good today. It has been very good for several weeks. The political news was was not bad with North Korea talks come you know everybody's talking flapping about how that might work out it you know which probably neither here nor there and probably won't but there was no no nothing that you could point to what you can point to and what I feel more comfortable saying what caused the move is that we're in a corrective phase in the market and we still are and it may take a long time because. We have been in a bull market for years. We're just correcting. We're not in the bear market. It only went down 10%, and then now it's chattering in, from, in that 10% to zero range. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. And my personal belief, and of course this is speculation on my part, is it's going to stay this way probably till the, toward the end of the year. I, I, I think it's just going to be like this. Do I think it's going to you know, have a really severe drop in the indexes? I don't. I think it can go down more, but I don't think we're going to go into a bear market area because the economy and the numbers are looking too good. The corporate profits are too good. But you have to remember, you have to remember that the stock market P.E. ratio overall is kind of high. It's not extremely high. But it's way above its normal, its average. So I don't see I don't see anything. I think we're what a PE range is what eighteen or so. Long term average of ten years is like fourteen. Of the last five years, it's like fifteen, sixteen. So long term, about fifteen is a PE average. And all we're doing, if it's above that, like it has been, is reverting. And how is this going to revert? Well, this is the best way for it to revert. For the stock market to train in a range for a long time as earnings catch up. Earnings, a P.E. ratio price over earnings. As earnings grow, the P.E. ratio goes down and the stock price doesn't go up. And therefore, you may work out this overpriced market by sideways, you know, overpriced stocks by sideways move in the market. That, that, that could happen. That's very unusual. Usually, usually there'll be a huge drop and then a recovery. And that drop takes you to oversold and makes the P.E. low, below the average. But it might be and it appears to be that we're just going to be moving sideways in a range. And we have been for since, what, February? And there's February, March, and now we're into the middle of April. And... I, it's hard to me to see it being different. It's just hard for, I, but I will say, I think if we finally get out of this, these doldrums, it'll be toward the end of the year. And, and I'm, I'm saying that simply because I know earnings are going to be very well. 
and the Fed is going to be raising rates, and the Fed rate raising rates might start to slow down uh, because <coughs> if they raise the number of rates they said they were going to at three or so this year, they'll get up to two and a half uh, approximately on the Fed's fund rate, and that'll be close enough where they don't have to make any strong moves to keep raising it. You know, there's a variety of reasons, and earnings are going to be coming in every quarter. So we get three quarters worth of earnings by then, and people are going to see, investors are going to be looking around and say, you know, the stock market's not overpriced anymore. And we're now moving into the best time of the year, toward the end of the year, the last quarter and the first quarter, the best time of the year. And I can see the market recovering. Usually summers are, are kind of choppy, you know, generally. So that's how I, I, I just, I'm just, I'm just basing it on ex experience and observation over years and years and years and many more years. That's all. So what's your question? You have a minute money question? Welcome. 888-99-CHART is our number. Hey, Steve or Justin. This is Ken from Indiana. I have a couple of questions. One concerning with BAP, B-A-P. I wanted to know how concerned you are with the cash flow negative value for in the uh, total cash flow from operating activities. And also, I wanted to know how much value you put into uh, book value per share when you're evaluating a stock. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Well, in the old days, book value was extremely important. And if you read uh, Ben Graham's book, uh, The Intelligent Investor, he always liked to th buy things under book value. And you're going to have a hard time finding stocks under book value these days. And this particular company, BAP, called Credit Corp Limited, a holding company for Bank de Credita del Peru, operating through 338 offices in Peru, Bolivia, and Panama. So it's a foreign bank and ADR traded on our exchanges. Uh, this book value is trading at three times book value, 3.17 times book value. Um, cash flow is very strong. Not weak. It's strong. Uh, $17.56 a share. They're going to make $18.44 next year after making $16.30 a share this year. So that's rising nicely. Uh, sales are a little erratic. Last quarter, the, which is, would be the September quarter, is the last reporting quarter we have, sales were up 26%. Pretty good. The most recent quarter, December quarter, sales were down 2%. So it's a little bit you know, it's an $18 billion company, pays a 1.9% dividend, really good at return on equity, that, that, and get really strong cash flow. Management owns 14%. Now, it's a foreign company, so you got politics, and you got dollar translations, you got the, from that currency there to our currency here, so you have extra risk involved there. The stock itself has been doing very well and it looks like it's right at a 52 week high and uh, it's not that expensive it's like a 15 PE going to go to 14 in the five year range is 7 to 20 so it's kind of in the middle of that range but I would definitely clearly wait for some kind of soft pullback I mean it went from 234 down to 210 and then struggle back up to 234.63 today, 234 dollars 63 cents. So um, a soft pullback would be when to buy that if you can get it. BAP, Credit Credit Corporation. It's a, a bank. 
Bankham out of Peru. 888-99 chart. I had an email that someone sent to me asking about a question. Uh, not sure if this is the right place or should I be calling a 24-hour listener line. I wanted to get your opinion on a stock BK. I'm thinking of picking it up, hold on to it for a long time. I, I, I like what I see in the fundamentals, and I'm seeing the current price to be a good entry. I'd love to get your analyst. BK, everybody, is a symbol. BK stands for uh, Bank of New York Mellon, so it's another bank. It's it's a $56 billion bank, so it's pretty darn big. And uh, it has pretty good numbers. Uh, it's going to grow earnings 18% this year, and then a 9% next year. Uh, it's going to be, uh, that's $4.58 next year, and a $55 stock. So the P is going to be, what, around 12, 13. The range is 10 to 16. Return equity is kind of light at 10%. I think that's light for a bank. Um, it doesn't carry a lot of debt for a bank. It's a holding company for the Bank of New York Mellon offering commercial and treasury services in 35 countries. Sales have been increasing. In most recent quarter just reported, sales were up 16%. Before that, they were up 5 to 7% quarter after quarter after quarter. So it's, it's, it's doing well. Uh, management owns 4%. So the question is, do you want to buy it? I find it interesting that in recent low, when it was around $50, insiders were buyers on this. Now it's 55 after these earnings, after these sales and earnings just recently, it popped up. It's a good solid bank, not paying much of a dividend, but it is a, if you need a bank in your portfolio, it's at a fair price, so you could buy it. BK. I'd like my banks to be paying higher dividends. So I'll tell you that. Take your investor skills to the next level. Join us for a free live webinar on May 30th. Free. That means as in doesn't cost a cent. Fundamental and technical analysis, the two tools that you, the serious investor, can't do without. You really can't pick stocks without fundamental analysis. You have to have that first. And then Technical analysis is good for traders, short-term traders, long-term traders, and to give you good entries and exit points even on your long-term investments. We'll show you how to use both of these techniques, fundamentals and technicals. It, is, it, it, it might look complicated, but it really isn't. Fundamentals can be complicated. Technicals are not as complicated, but it can be tricky. So, but we're going we're gonna able to, you can do a better job no matter what with knowledge. A lot, of, lot into this webinar. I hope you can join us. It's May 30th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. It's free. Registration will be open very soon. How would you like to invest in the same program as your financial advisor? You can when you choose any one of the investment programs at KPP Financial. The principals at KPP invest their own money right along with their clients. It's called Parallel Investing. KPP Financial. Independent thinking. Shared success. Eight 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 ninety nine chart 888-992-4278. Okay, housing numbers. Yesterday, the existing home sales report came in for March. It was 5.6 million homes sold. And in uh, uh, fe uh, um, February, it was 5.4. So it went from 5.5 to 5.6. 5.5, not 5.4. 5.5 to 5.6. Today, new housing sales we reported. 
These are brand new houses being built by builders. 694,000 sold. Now, this is for March as well. February, it was 667,000. Remember, so that's what? 30,000, almost 30,000 more. But the expectation was for it to go down, not up, down to 630,000. So that's a pretty pretty good surprise on the new home sales. And then Case Schiller, which is the two guys or the formed a company, and they do surveys of 20 major cities in the United States about values of prices of homes. And for February, this is old. It always is old because they, they do the, you know, it's old. It went up to 6.3% from 6.1% year-over-year increase in value. So, housing. Remember, we talked about uh, the permits last last week. Permits were strong, prices are strong, sales are strong. And I mentioned last week that it looks like the millennials are coming back into the housing market. Not coming back, coming into the housing market for the first time, as they've been absent for years. So, the housing industry, despite the mortgage rates going up. Mortgage rates have gone up to 4.25 to 4.5% for a 30-year fixed. And they've been rising slowly, and that's not hurting the housing market at all. Not yet. Continues, it will eventually, but just not yet. So I think we have to look at this and say, you know, the housing is a very good indicator, a very good gauge of our economy. People feel confident about their jobs, they will buy houses. When they buy houses, they buy more stuff. They buy furniture, yard equipment. More, you know, they, they spend more money on the house, you know, especially existing homes. They have to fix them up. So think about it. Last time you bought a house, what did you do? You spent more money. That all helps the economy. Feeds right into the economic growth. Now, when we get our second quarter GDP numbers... Okay, when we get those, which are coming out pretty soon, uh, they, um, this, I'm sorry, the first quarters, first quarters, GP, uh, they're not going to be that strong. They're not. Last few years, the first quarter has been weak. And I have a feeling it has something to do with the way they, they, they are reporting things. Things are changed, and I, I think that, the way they reported things, that the first quarter always seems to be weak and then stronger second, third, and fourth quarter when economy is growing. Not sure why that is happening. Maybe they'll explain it to me someday. Anyway, so expect that to come out. But these numbers are all positive. Of course, we're importing a lot more things and that detracts or deducts from the GDP number when we buy foreign goods. Oh, well. So what's coming up on our next Invest Talk? What a rise in industrial production means to your portfolio. Industrial production. Don't talk about that much. That'll be one of the topics on Invest Talk on Wednesday. We're here to answer your questions. Any money topic you like, call me at 888-99-CHART. Get back to your calls on Invest Talk for this Tuesday, April 24th. 
The Industrial Production Report covers manufacturing, mining, and gas, and electric utilities, illustrating changes in the structure of our economy. What a rise in industrial production means to your portfolio. That's next time. Do you have a question for Steve right now? 888-99-CHART is how to reach him on Invest Talk. Hi, this is Marty from Westfield, New Jersey. Uh, I really enjoy listening to the advice you give to people calling with their questions. Uh, my question is about REITs. Uh, I have a well-diversified portfolio, but I also include REITs in my uh, portfolio. Currently, I have two, and I'm trying to consolidate into one. Uh, one is ticker symbol MPW, and the other is BXMT. I'd like your thoughts on which uh, one of the two would be the better one to uh, consolidate the two uh, reefs. Uh, thanks for all you do, and I'll listen for the answer on the podcast. Bye-bye. Okay, there, there are two very different kinds of REITs. BXMT is Blackstone Mortgage Trust, a REIT that originates mortgage loans backed by commercial real estate assets. And MWP, or MPW, is a medical REIT. Uh, it's a REIT that acquires, develops, and net leads health care facilities across the U.S. So they're very, very different. One is kind of a financial lending institution for mortgages, and the other is owns properties and makes money by leasing these properties, med- medical properties, to facilities. Very, very different. If, if I was to pick one over the other, it would be the MPW. They have a, a yield of 8%. Their sales growth is quite strong, uh, and the stock, uh, you know, 8%. How often do you get an 8% uh, 8% uh, dividend uh, with earnings rising and sales rising and a, and a PE ratio of nine. Uh, they're going to make a dollar forty-six, and the stock is twelve dollars and forty-six cents. I think it's extremely reasonable. If you look at it, it has not done well. I mean, as far as the price, it's about where it was a year ago, but that's okay. Eight percent. You made eight percent. You bought it a year ago, and that's about the same price as today. You made eight percent. That's okay. Very solid number. Uh, return on equity is not great at eight uh, percent. The other one, BX. Let me pull that up. BX MT. It's hard to compare two different stocks because I got to type them all into the software. The other one, uh, Blackstone Mortgage Trust, pays also eight percent. But their sales are much more erratic. They grew 31% last quarter, 26% the quarter before that. But a year ago, they were shrinking sales. And I, I'm not, I, it's tied to mortgage loans. And I'd rather be tied to the actual property than the, the commercial paper, the loan documents, and making my, I, I just would. I think it's a safer, more secure long term dividend. So I would go with MPW, MPW. Oil supplies. Now, we have been oversupplied in oil for a long time, and we are still oversupplied with oil, even as the world economy continues to grow. It just is. Um, why, then, are the prices so high? Because we're up in the 60s, and I, I think I mentioned in my... Uh, annual letter to the clients that I thought that oil would stay fairly 
uh, fairly steady in the 50s uh, for most of the year. And here it is at, what, 62, 63, something like that. And why did it go up? Well, it's been all the saber rattling between President Trump and Iran about maybe maybe not, you know, cutting, maybe backing out of the deal with Iran, <coughs> who is a big supplier of oil. And uh, But even if they did, we still would be oversupplied with oil. Now, the, the other side of the coin is, is the, the, you know, it's all about supply and demand, and demand is rising worldwide because economies are growing worldwide. So that is a, a kind of an under, a, 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 a supporting place for prices of oil to stay fairly high, even, though, even as we here in America produce more and more oil. And we are. That shell production is still doing very well. And we're, we're getting, I, I don't know if we are the largest or the second largest producer in the world, but we're pretty big. So I'm just saying that we haven't talked about oil. Oil is, we have plenty of it, and I think it's going to stay fairly high, but it probably is too high at this point, and I'll probably back off. Okay, we spent we spent the whole hour, everybody. Reminder, I have a new day for portfolio reviews. There's no space available for the May date in San Jose, but we're announcing a date in June. It's June 6th. I'll be there. Reserve your hour now on investhub.com. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley, and Justin Klein and I thank you for making this part of your day. We do appreciate it. Let's do it again tomorrow, Wednesday. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 